0: Good morning. I would encourage you to take out your Bibles and follow along this morning as we talk about a uh, a brief bit of time about a character that I just really I really enjoy studying about. As Charles just read from the from the book of 2 Kings uh, <clears throat> and talked about this character of Josiah and his story and how he was a, a remarkable man taking the, the throne at such a young age. And, and doing so many great things. And I just, I can't help but just love to read about him. And I ask myself why sometimes. I say, why do I enjoy reading about certain characters more than others? Why do I enjoy this one so much? And I think the reason why is because of, of a relation that I can feel towards the, the scenario that they were in. You see, if anyone that's known me for any deal of time, they know that any time that I just have a very forgetful Mind, We'll put it that way. I do have this rule. When I do any sort of work, whether it be mechanical work, whether it be some sort of construction going on, as we've been doing a lot at the house lately, I have this rule. When you get done with a tool, put it away immediately. And I'm really, really bad at following my own rule. Um I'm notorious for laying down a tool, I'm notorious for getting done with something and immediately forgetting where I put it. Me and my brother one time were, were working on a vehicle and, a, and about a 15 minute job turned into an hour long job as we looked and looked for a ratchet that somehow found itself tucked away in a frame rail that it had no business being in. That's just me, that's, that's something that I really struggle with. Uh, there, there's been several of you that have scoured the, the, the building for my keys uh, one Sunday evening. So, so it's just something that I, that I have a, a hard time with, remembering where I put things. So to say that I know a thing or two about losing and finding things would definitely be an understatement. And, and I think that's probably why I enjoy King Josiah's story so much. <clears throat> King Josiah, as we just read from 2 Kings 22 and 2 Kings 23, that, that kind of chronicles his, his short life. He had a short life and a short reign, but a lot of great things were done in that time. He was the son of King Ammon and the grandson of King Manasseh. They were two very evil, evil kings of Judah. And Josiah, the son and grandson of them, he took the throne at only eight years old. And, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, as it talked about. Eventually, restoring worship to what it should have been. We see eventually he destroys these idols and houses of worship to other gods. And we see that <coughs> excuse me, when he was about 18 years old, He does something. He sends a man named Shaphan, Shaphan, the scribe. He sends him to see Hilkiah the priest and have him count the money to be distributed to the workers working on the house of the Lord. Now that to me says a lot of people that are so devoted to worshipping false gods and are so devoted to worshipping idols. He was setting apart money. He was setting aside money for this rebuilding of the Lord's house. So that immediately tells me something about his character. And while Shaphan was there, while he was with Hilkai, he gives him a book of the law which had been found in the Lord's house. Now, when I read that line, when I read about that in Satan Kings, I kind of chuckle to myself. Because so many times I've walked around the house and been like, Holly, I can't find my shirt. I can't find that shirt that I want to wear. I'm looking for this shirt and I can't find it. She's like, did you check your closet? that's a good place to look. And I go there and sure enough, it's right where it should have been. I wasn't where I should have been. And that's what I find funny about this. This book was actually not lost, but rather it was forgotten. It was forgotten. That's a better way to term that, I think. As As I said already, the two previous relatives of Josiah, they were pretty awful kings. They turned the people away from God and into this false worship. And the people that they did this to, <clears throat> the people that they turned away, were the same people whose families years ago had been rescued from Egypt. These were the same people whose families had been victorious in claiming Canaan as their land. These are the same people who just some 60, 70 years ago, in their lifetime, they saw firsthand God's faithfulness when He protected them from Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria, who was coming in and pressing on, on them to destroy them. These same people had pretty well forgotten God. And they had pretty well forgotten God's laws. But Josiah, now having the book, we see him turning the people back to God. And, and in fact, when he's a little bit older, some, days, uh, some years pass from this time where they find the book. When he's around 26, he holds a Passover, and it records of this Passover that it was like it, the likes of which had not been held since the judges, not even in the days of any other king. He held a true the, the Passover the way that it was intended to be held for the first time since since uh, in, in any other king's life. And then we read what Charles read in verse twenty five of 2 Kings twenty three. <clears throat> now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him. That's my my goal for my life, is to be described like Josiah. I want to be described like that, as one who turns to God wholly, as one who gives himself to God wholly. But I ask myself, how how can I do that? If that's my goal, if that's what I want to do, how is it that I do that? Well, one thing we can see in Josiah's life is, is the way he did that is once he got a hold of that book of the law. Once he got a hold of God's word, he held on to it and he never let go. Turn over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. And look in verse 14 through 16. That's exactly the kind of attitude that we should be having. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 14, we redo all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Did you hear that? Did you hear that or say that we can be blameless? We can be children of God who are without fault. We can be a light to this perverse world by holding fast the Word of Life. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. This idea of holding fast in the Word of Life. That's what Josiah did. And that's what Josiah did to become one who's described as being wholly turned to God. And that's what I want to do for us to do in our lives. For us to be dedicated. To holding fast the word of life. And so you might ask, how do we do that? How do we begin so that we can be described like this, so we can have the kind of life that is that is a, a light to the world, so that we can be harmless and blameless, so that we can be called children of God. Well, the first thing it requires is that we be studying diligently. <clears throat> Over in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2, verse 2. <clears throat> We read, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We have to first desire the word. It's not something that that if if we just if we just read it enough, we're, we're, we're going to get it. We have to really desire it. You have to desire God's word. If you are to to be one who who studies diligently. You have to want to read it. And James 1 and 21 tells us. That, excuse me. James one twenty one tells us that we need to not just desire, but we do need to receive it. We need to receive it with a certain attitude, and we need to place it somewhere. James one verse twenty one says, "Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul." Where is it implanted? We, that word needs to be implanted in our hearts. We need to diligently be studying, desiring to have that word, receiving it, and storing it somewhere where we can call upon it in those times of need. And there's a way that I know to accomplish this, and it's the only way that I know to accomplish this. One comes through studying on our own daily. It comes through spending time every day engaged in studying of God's Word. back in and Joshua, excuse me, back in Joshua chapter one and verse 8, it talked about how they were to meditate on the Word day and night. Are we truly spending time each day studying God's Word? Are we setting time apart that we're going to go to God's word and try to glean knowledge from it and try to learn from it? That's one thing that we must be doing <clears throat> And another thing that we must be doing is we must be spending time in studies with others. As the local congregation here, we have set aside two times that we are going to engage in study of God's Word. We did one this morning at 9 o'clock. And the other one is at Wednesdays. Let's not neglect these times that we have together. Times that we have to come and open God's Word. As we are doing right now, times that we are opening God's Word and learning how we can be there for one another. How can we... Help one another. How can we comfort one another? Let us spend time together and let us not neglect these times that we have. And this is necessary. It's a necessity because if we fail to do so, we could end up like Manasseh. We could end up like Amnon. We could lead others to ruin as they did, as they led so many people away from God. I don't want to be one who is shamefully mishandling the Word of God. Let's consider Paul's warning in Timothy. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 14. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 says, Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of Of the hearers, this was Paul's warning to Timothy, a warning from one preacher to another preacher, from one Christian to another Christian, that we have to to be holding on to the, the Word. We have to be delving ourselves, diving into the Word. And we need to be doing so, not only so that we can help ourselves, but so that we can be helping others, so that we can do as Josiah did and turn the nation. Uh, the, the children of Israel, so we can turn those that we have that influence on to God. We must hold fast the word of life. Uh, and, and if we are preparing our hearts to study diligently, that is one way that we're going to do it. But we also must do so through a consistent application a consistent application of the word. Back over in James, in chapter 1, we read verse 21. But now we're going to go on down and read verse 22 through 25. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty... And continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. When we are not doers, but rather just hearers of the word. Verse 22 says we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves. Not God. This says, you know, God knows the heart. We're not hiding from God. The works that we are doing. And we don't even deceive the devil. Because as hearers, we are exactly what the devil wants us to be. Those who just hear the word, but just put it aside and forget it. and Don't worry about it. And the fact is, we don't even deceive those who are around us. Those who look at us and go, that person, he claims to be a Christian. That woman, she claims to be a Christian. But they don't act like a Christian. They don't do the deeds of a Christian. We're not even deceiving them. We deceive ourselves as verse 22 says. We deprive ourselves of the true blessedness of God's Word, which comes through the doing of His Word. Not just the hearing, but the doing. Another point to think of is found over in Matthew 23. In Matthew chapter 23, we read (coughs) and we realize that there are enough Pharisees in the world at that time there's enough Pharisees in the world today in Matthew 23 and verse 1 through 3. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his scribes saying the scri or, excuse me, Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples saying,The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. And therefore whatever they tell you to observe, that observe, uh, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. People who say and do not do, we don't need to be that kind of people. We don't need to be someone who, who preaches a gospel but doesn't practice the gospel that they preach. Even if what we are saying is right, we can still be guilty of that of not practicing what we what we preach. see claiming to be Christian is not just enough. I can walk around with a sign that says I'm Christian all day long. I can walk around with a t-shirt that has the cross on the back of it. And I can, I can tell people so many amazing things that are from the Bible. But if I'm not living the Christian life, then I have just undermined everything that I've, that I've set out to do. We have to also be living the Christian lives so that our efforts will not be in vain. We must then, through constant application, demonstrate the value of God's will. Turn back over to Romans. <clears throat> Romans chapter 12, in verse 1 and 2, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Our reasonable service. This is something reasonable that God can expect of us. Going on in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By offering what is our reasonable service, we can show that the will of God is good, the will of God is acceptable, the will of God is perfect, By offering what is reasonable, by being doers of the word, by neglecting to be a Pharisee, but to be an actual one that, be someone who practices what he preaches, we can show that this life that we have, this Christian life, is better, is better than a life without Christ. We can show that God's will is perfect. In times when people may not listen to what you have to say, when they may not listen to what you have to say, they may think differently if our actions speak differently. So after we have, we have learned God's will through study, and after we have begun living it through application in our own lives, then, then we're ready to start teaching it to others. This is a natural progression to study and application. We, we study to, to learn ourselves. We apply it to our lives And then we need to be teaching it to others. We need to be taking the message to others. Josiah understood this. Josiah understood this. He first heard the words of the book of the law, and he humbled himself, and then he sought to turn the people back to the Lord. Likewise, if we have properly studied, if we have properly applied the Word of God in our lives, people will take note. People will want to know more about who we are and about why we are the way we are. And we need to not not hold that back. We need to not store that up for ourselves and our hearts and let other people go on walking a path that we know leads to condemnation. We must remember that we have a primary function in this life. Now, last Sunday... Uh, I'm so thankful for Logan stepping up, and I, and I know I didn't give him a whole lot of time, but he, he really, he, maybe he doesn't need a whole lot of time, because he came through with a great lesson on our identity in Christ. As a I'm trying to think of my old job title now. <laughs> As a material coordinator with Lockheed Martin, my primary function was to coordinate the flow of material was to ship and to receive and to store and inventory. That was my primary function as a material coordinator, as an as a, as a owner of a construction business, as Charles was. His primary function was to coordinate the construction sites that were going on and make sure the people were where they needed to be and doing what they needed to do in any of our jobs. We know that we have a primary function. As Logan pointed out last Sunday, as Christians as people who identify as those who belong to Christ and are striving to be like Christ we only have one primary function in this life that is to proclaim the word of life to draw people to Christ as we have been drawn to Christ as he seeks out to do for the church sometimes we get up we get caught up with holding fast to the word and we begin to hold back the word of life turn over to 1 Peter 1 Peter chapter 2, now looking in verse 9 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Is this just not another way of saying that we are a people who are to teach others to share with others this glorious truth that we now have for ourselves does our life tell another story though is our primary function in our life can it be said that we are truth tellers or are we are we wrapped up in other things of this life are we wrapped up in our jobs are we wrapped up in our in our society are we wrapped up in our in our country there are so many things that can pull our lives away from what our true purpose is in this life. To be ones that tell others about Jesus. Because the fact is, the world isn't getting better. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned when I see the choices being made around me. I'm concerned by the choices that are made by our country and by our leaders. But I'm even more concerned by the choices that are made by by even members of my own family, by members of our spiritual family, by members of the true body of Christ, I'm concerned. And I see people who want to try and to change the world. I see people who want to make a stance for what is right and make things better. But I can't help but ask myself, is there a better way than the way we have chosen to do so in the past? Is there a better way than than what we have done so far. See, we will never, we will never have the ability to change the hearts of men through things like legislature. Legislature. We will never have the ability to pass laws to turn people to Christ. And I'm not saying it's an unworthy cause to to vote for someone that's going to to further the, the cause of Christ that's going to make things easier for the for the gospel to be spread and make things easier for the nation to see better choices but by itself it's inadequate by itself there are, there are so many things that that we could do that seem like good ideas but by themselves they're not inadequate but i hope that this morning In reading Philippians 2, verse 14-16, through we see that there is a better way. There is a way that God would have us to show people that better way. If we are going to be that light unto the world, if we are going to shine among the men of this world, and among the women, and among the people of this world, we must hold fast the word of life. We must lean upon that example of Josiah. This morning I ask, are you a child of God? Are you ready to become one if you are not? Are you ready to be one who is labeled as blameless? Are you ready to be a light? Jesus is calling us to Him. He has given us His life. As was, as was mentioned so, so wonderfully in our in this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, He has given His life so that you can find yours. And if you are ready to do so, Or maybe maybe you have realized that up to this point you thought you had found your life in Christ. But you realize that there are some things that you are not doing. There are some things that you need to be taking further steps to, to create that life that Christ wants for you to have. I encourage you that there is still time today. But that time is not something that we are guaranteed for all of our lives. That time is not something that we are guaranteed to have until a ripe old age. That time is not ours to know when it comes and when it goes. But what we do know is we have the opportunity today, while it is called today, we have the opportunity to make a decision that we are going to live a life for Christ. We are going to hold fast to His Word. We are going to study. We are going to apply. We are going to teach if there is anything that the congregation can do here for you this morning, if there is any way that we can be of assistance, I encourage you to let it be known to come forward now as we stand and sing the song that has been chosen.